Hey, what's up? It's Zen here. Thanks for listening to Breaking North. Quick thing before we get to the show, please consider subscribing to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash breaking north. That's patreon.com slash breaking north. Any amount helps us. And here is the show. And here we are. Look at that. We're both in frame. It's beautiful. It's gonna, the screen's going to go off in a second. Okay. But uh, first off, cheers. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks for coming over. Thanks for doing this. My phone just ate oh, shit. Absolutely. Uh, and... So, I have Jamie Nelson here today. He asked about doing a podcast. And I was like, why don't we just do a podcast and inception it, talking about how to do a podcast, as well as talk about drumming, where you're from, your background, and your life. All right. A little bit. So, and I also, doing podcasts, I always like to have a backup sound. Okay. Source. So I'm just doing voice memos on here. Uh, hello. Hi. We were just working together all day. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this isn't a fresh pretty, hello, but it's a good one. Pretty hectic restaurant shift all day together. It was good. I'm still wearing my Aldo's hat, which is, that's fine. I'm still wearing my Aldo's kitchen grease. <laughs> Not that I was cooking, but you still catch some. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it splatters a little bit. Um, so, yeah, let's get into this. I guess first thing we could there's three things i want to get to i want to get to your chili chile trip mm-hmm. uh, i want to get to drumming and kind of your background and how to podcast i guess maybe the let's let's just start where it should start where are you actually from arroyo grande central coast california is like next door to pismo beach that's that's down south. San Luis Obispo County. Ah, there you go. Yeah, so from here in Santa Cruz, three hours south. Okay. And what made you move up here? Um, I started coming up here for surf contests when I was like 13. And then that's, no, a year later, some of my friend's older brothers moved up here for college. Mm-hmm. So then when we were 16, we started coming up to visit and getting really good waves and uh, being 16 year olds going to college parties getting good waves like the first time I came I think was on a Halloween when I was 16 years old and I was like and you just partied and going to Santa Cruz yeah Yeah. and you're like this is it uh huh Um, the waves are the waves are a lot better here than they are in Pismo Beach I would imagine a lot better yeah um uh, wait so you did contests were you good? When I was a teenager, yeah. Yeah? I was always in second place. Yeah. That was, that the, was my the spot. The underdog. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah. When, basically, when I turned 18 and had to surf against the 18 and up crowd, I was immediately like, that's the end of the road for me. I'm just going to surf for fun and find another way to... I mean, I enjoyed contests, but... I wasn't that excited about it. I, I've never had like fantasies of being a pro surfer. I just did contests like you do little league. Okay. And were your parents supportive of that? Yeah. I mean, of course uh, they. My parents are supportive. Your parents of are anything. extremely nice people. I, I, yeah. I would imagine they would be. I guess were they um, were they pushing you that direction, or that that just kind of like fell in your lap to do? No. I, you know, I like to say my mom pushed me towards surfing because she preferred sitting on the beach reading a book than sitting in the stands of a stadium or like With not a, a stadium but a high school bleachers or whatever yeah yeah but my dad um 
really encouraged my baseball little league and I loved it until I was 13 but then I didn't grow for like a year and a half when everybody else kept growing and that's right when I got good at surfing and it's kind of good to be small um, so yeah when I was 13 I played my last year of baseball and that was right when I started doing contest surfing and I was like I'm just going that way I still played tennis okay I played high school tennis and that was really fun yeah but we had practice before school so it didn't get in the way of my surfing as much Damn, and you were just always doing these things. This is this is just you, though. This is how you feel good. Your parents weren't, like, forcing you to do all this shit. No. Well, they wanted me <laughs> to be involved in, in activities, like school activities and sports and whatever. Okay. But they didn't really push me at anything. They were just encouraging of whatever I wanted to do as long as I saw it through. I was never allowed to, like, stop mid-season at anything. My freshman year of high school... I actually showed up day one, this kid, Justin McGregor, who was a good friend of mine from junior high, he and I were like the shortest freshmen at the high school. And um, water polo started right at the beginning and he hit me up like third period or something. He's like, dude, you see those water polo players? We should play water polo. Like, we'll get strong. <laughs> uh, okay, why not? So I went to one I'd practice and I was like, hell no, no water polo for me told my parents and they said you can't quit the first thing you did in high school you're doing water polo oh, so shit. I did one whole season never played a minute in a game I just had to go to every single practice so you just sit on the bench or whatever yeah I just went you to practice like you're a good swimmer yeah well not compared to water polo players like uh, you can do the, the butterfly kicks or whatever I can swim like when my leash breaks <laughs> I can't like beat somebody in a, in a okay, swimming race yeah, yeah. I swim for survival. Yeah, <laughs> purely not not to just like kick somebody else's ass. Yeah, and water polo is a crazy physical sport. Like, mm -hmm. it's also not a good good time to be four foot eleven and eighty nine pounds. No. Yeah. No, I bet you. Uh, Long legs underwater, like people get vicious. Yeah, I bet I've heard yeah. I've heard uh, yeah a lot of ball grabbing. I don't know if that's actually a yeah. thing, but so I only had to do it for my freshman like you know the first half of my freshman year but you're done with that and it, it probably helped me with swimming i'm sure it did but i stuck with tennis because i love it i still play tennis like all the time that's your jam that's what you do with your neighbor as well right yeah love tennis yeah that surfing uh golf. you like golf. i was gonna say golf music of course yes yeah, and music yeah. uh so where, where when did the uh, drumming come into the picture um i had piano lessons as a kid and then phased out of that like most kids do maybe 10 or 11 or something and then when I was 13 my parents never went to church ever but um, I started going to Bible study because the guy that ran my favorite surf shop that I hung out at all the time like my parents just dropped me off at the beach at 7 a.m. in the summer and picked me up at sunset so in the middle of the day we would hang out at the surf shop and they all played guitar in there and they were like it was like the christian surf shop huh. they were super nice and all the other not all of the other but there were like some sketchy there was like the christian crowd and the crank like early meth crowd so i much preferred the christian crowd yeah so i started going to bible study at the guy that owned the surf shop's house and that's where i started playing guitar and immediately my parents bought me a guitar and then I started taking guitar lessons. So I played guitar from 13 till today, really. 
But um, when I was 17, I found my dad's drum kit in the attic and it was basically hidden. Like I knew he had been a drummer when he was young, but he wanted me to be a real musician. Mm. So I didn't even know we had a drum kit until and, I was 17. And what was that drum kit? Because I love that kit. It, yeah, it's the Ludwig. It's like a 58 Ludwig gold label. Didn't he buy Blue it? glitter. Like, didn't he buy it, like, newish? He, no, it was not new, but he, he played it in high school. He got it when he was, like, 14. Okay. His family was, like, the music hub of Dunsmuir, which is just south of Mount Shasta okay. on I-5, super small railroad and mill town on the Sacramento River. But um, his dad was a organ and piano player. His brother's six years older and he's a ripping guitarist. And then they had like bassist friends and everybody came to their house and did just played music all the time. And they played like the county dances and that kind of stuff. So when my dad was old enough, I don't know when he started playing, but they put him behind the drums. So he played the drums, you know, all through middle school and high school, and then went off to the military, played the drums a little bit when my mom and dad got married, but I, my mom kind of shut it down when we were born, when my sister and I were born. Mm. And then they hid the drums so that we would play piano or guitar or whatever. But when I found the drums in the attic, brought them down, I was just immediately What a great hooked. way to get a kid to play the drums is to just hide it. Yeah. I, I, I think that's the reason why I ride a motorcycle is because my dad always had a rusting one uh -huh. in the side yard. And we he took it from, we moved a bunch of times from house to house to house. And it, just, it was just a rust bucket. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> <laughs> this is a thing that could have worked and I want to do that. Mm. So like kind of putting it in the attic, making it kind of the forbidden fruit. Yeah. Probably the best way to get somebody to play drums. Maybe so. As soon as I got on them, though, I was like, this is really fun. And it just, the first couple of steps of drumming came really easy to me. I was like, mm -hmm. I've, I've got this, you know. My foot worked really well for some reason. But, yeah, obviously started playing punk rock. Yeah. Yeah? And um, after maybe. Like, with who? Like, uh, well, just... with the headphones. Oh, right. I started it, I set up the drums, and immediately with my CD Walkman, I had Tom Petty, Creedence Clearwater Revival, and Operation Ivy. Okay. And I just played along with, like, Those are great three albums to play along to. over and over and over again, and basically learned, like, 4-4 four, four and double time, and a little bit of, like, upbeat or And uh, or generally whatever. just pop in general, how to, like, just play an amazing drum beat for, <laughs> from start to finish for a band. Yeah. Yeah. So then, like I said, I was 17. I did that, like, you know, hours whenever I could. I was just in there with the headphones on, playing along with that. And then as soon as graduation from high school happened, my parents went out of town. I had a house party. And tons of people came. And these guys, Rich and Micah, who had, like, the best punk band in our high school, came and they were like, dude, Mark went to the Marines. He was their drummer. You got to play the drums for us. I was like, I don't know how to play the drums. I just started. They're like, you're our only choice. You're going to be in our band. This like, we'll teach happening. you. Like, All right, let's give it a try. They were called Gladly Blamed. And then we were called Gladly Blamed. Kind of a funny punk name for sure. Sorry, what age was this again? 
This was, I was still 17 when I graduated high school, so okay. it was right after I started playing the drums. Okay. So we played for basically a year, but we played constantly. We had a warehouse space with like four other bands that we shared, and we just played like every night, you know, until this two in the morning. In, where and you're from? This was in either Oceana or Grover Beach, okay. San Luis Obispo County. And uh, it was like this established rock and punk band space where we we had four bands in corners just constantly set up and it had a bathroom and a little like mini kitchen and stuff and couches so we just raged there that sounds played all kinds of house parties um a lot of like those early eddie numbskull shows at like the you know the guild and the vets hall and that kind of stuff we played a bunch okay for about a year not here. No, no. Yeah, this you. was all down in San Luis Obispo okay, County. Yeah. But Arroyo Grande, Paso Robles, San Luis Obispo, gotcha. Pismo Beach, Vets Halls and Portuguese Halls, all that kind of stuff. Super mm -hmm. fun. Oh, but shit. then, yeah, after about a year of that, it was time to move to Santa Cruz. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I guess you moved up here 18, 19? 19. 19? Yeah. And uh, did you go to school up here? What was the, what was the deal? I came... Mostly because I had been planning on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, since you were 16, you were and like... The, and the band was kind of like, ah, enough is enough. Yeah. And so, so, yeah, I came up just to keep surfing. But, yeah, I went to Cabrillo for like six years. always figured I'd go to UCSC, but never found anything I was interested in studying. Music-wise, when I came, I brought my drum kit, a guitar and a guitar amp, a bass and a bass amp. Moved into my house with three other guys. So you were still playing the other instruments, the real instruments. Yeah, I was. <laughs> but I was definitely drum, you know, centric. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so set up all my stuff in the room. Where'd you, where was the first thing you kind of moved into in Santa Cruz, was it? This house. Are you serious? This is the first house I moved into out of my parents' house, yeah. In 1996. What? I lived okay. here, I lived in this house from 96 to 2005 and then moved back into this house in 2010 and i've been here ever since so i've lived most of my life in this very casa whoa that's <laughs> insane like i knew you guys had lived here for a long time and i think i just must have missed that that detail yeah right there yeah this is where i spent my college years six yeah years i mean i can't imagine the the just... different evolutions of you this is oh, there <laughs> this were seen so many different groups of housemates and stuff and yeah, different eras of what I was up to. I mean, it wasn't that much different. I've always just played music, Surf, surfed, tennis, golfed, and played tennis. Drummond, <laughs> but yeah, when I moved up here, set up all my music equipment, and one of my housemates, Hollis, um, kind of played the bass. So I had a bass player, and uh, that was it. So I put Andy behind the drums, I figured I can play the guitar and the drums. Like I can't teach him how to play the guitar tonight. No. So no. he immediately was a pretty okay drummer and got very good really fast. So then I was guitarist and singer for like, I don't know, a year and a half or something. Had a band singing and playing guitar, which was super fun. Wow. I, I, I had a breakup and wrote like 15 songs and we played around town all the time. It a lot was of hilarious. Bang for your buck. Yeah. Wow. It was fun. 
I haven't. It's I really funny. When I would love to hear that. When Is you're that, 19, 20, 21, you don't really have to be very good to like rock a great show. It's amazing how excited people are to just see somebody sing their heart out. Yeah, because it's also you're just so raw, not really a, de- a fully um, a developed in the sense of like you you not like haven't made a shell of yourself from the world kind of to protect yourself yeah. as, as well. Yeah. Or, oh, I was letting loose. Yeah. For sure, it was amazing. When I think is, back, is there recording like, that's this? so cool. Um, we ha- I have like some cassettes, eight quarter eight track recorder cassettes of. They all, they're all re, um, titled, like, Practice Aid. So just yeah. like at band practice, we would um, set up an 8-track eight, eight and record some stuff to cassette. I know, I know. The band uh, was called Exevache. Exevache? Yeah. What is that? Is that Spanish or is it, what um, <laughs> does that mean? I don't really know if it's a real word, but if it is, it's a Native American word from some tribe. It's from the movie Dead Man. It's a Jim mm. Jarmusch film. Really cool movie. Xevache um, is one of the main characters, and he's a Native American guy who got abducted as a child and, like, taken all around the world, basically, as, like, a zoo animal. And then when he came back and was re- then reunited with his people and told them their sto- his story, like, the white man is coming, um... They didn't believe him, and so they named him Xevache, which meant he who speaks loudly, he who speaks loudly, saying nothing. That is a fucking beautiful band name. <laughs> I love that. It was pretty fun. Good, <laughs> that's a great, that was a, a good great, time. Uh, great name for a nineteen-year-old, right? You know, band. <laughs> Especially when you're writing songs that are kind of like breakup, like you know, some of them were pretty harsh. And it was good to have a little like oh, caveat as they, as they to it, be, you know? little caveat to that. <laughs> it's, how you, it's how you learn, you know. Uh-huh. It's like every everybody in in those sort of years, it's like every breakup is the most important thing that ever fucking happens in your life because it's the only, yeah, like real deep thing, you know, at that point in your life. For sure. And then um, I guess from there, you guys. So you guys played some shows around here. Is that you had house parties? What was the deal? A lot of parties. There was a. There was this dude called Ross Maurice who had a band called Ross Maurice and the We Are One Band, which is fucking hilarious. Yeah. Because to call yourself Ross Maurice and the We Are One Band is just so funny. <laughs> but um, grandiose, yeah. he, uh, he hosted a lot of reggae shows. Most of them were at um, the Brookdale Lodge. Wait, so I, I don't think I've even asked you, like, what, what sort of style of music were you playing? Uh, basically sublime. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. So it was like kind of. It, it was 1999. Everybody played sublime. That you know, that's the first shit that I ever really did. Uh huh. Santeria, like getting getting that beat down when I was first starting to play drums, was insane. Yeah. Uh, and I'm from San Diego, so. Right. That's... <laughs> it was such a good way to learn music on any instrument. Like those guys ripped. They do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was, and you know, you look back on them, and you're like, ah, it's so cheesy because it would nonstop on the radio. Then you listen to it, and you're like, God damn, these guys are good. Yeah, yeah, I still love it. Oh, same. <laughs> but yeah, so it, we did have covers, but I, I had like, I don't know, fourteen or fifteen originals. That was basically what we went with. But it was, it was either skank or punk rock. So you guys were, the, were the Ross Maurice, is that right? He was reggae. He, yeah, but he 
put on all these reggae shows. Okay. And he was actually walking by the house one day and we were practicing inside and he came knocking on the door and he's like, hey, y'all guys, like what's going on in there? And he had a practice space over here that mm -hmm. he had just opened up in this industrial area. His spot is now Santa Cruz Yoga, like where Santa Cruz Mountain Brewery is and Emily's Bakery just shut down. I think 11th Hour Coffee just moved in yep. there. Um, so it was just like total, there was a marble shop, his like house slash rehearsal studio. So he saved us from our neighbors because obviously they didn't like us playing here all the time. So we ended up over there. And then, yeah, he was putting on shows mostly at um, Brookdale Lodge. And then we played all kinds of backyard parties. Which is parties in Ben Lomond. It's in Brookdale. It's between Ben Lomond and Boulder Creek. Right, okay. There's mostly just houses, and then there's the Brookdale like a, Lodge. Yeah. So the Brookdale Lodge my, is my friend cool. Is, my friend is getting married in that direction, and they're gonna, we're going to be staying at Brookdale Lodge, uh -huh. apparently, which I guess is open again? Yeah, it just recently reopened. So this place reopened is supposed to be haunted, by the way. Yeah. Um, it's an old for anybody listening that doesn't know about that sort of area, it's very much in the forest off of Highway 9 yeah. in the Santa Cruz Mountains. It's on Highway 9. It's on Highway 9. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right across the street from the San Lorenzo River, and it was like logging town. I don't know if there was any gold rush that went on there, but definitely big time logging and uh, limestone. So like people were mining for limestone to make cement and whatnot. Um, so the Brookdale Lodge was like a major event center for people who lived up there. It had a swimming pool and the swimming pool, part of like the lodge restaurant thing was below it. So it was a glass wall. So you could see people swimming, like the stage is here and there's like people's legs going around. The Some pool like was open Bond at night, shit, you know? right? <laughs> yeah. And then the main dining room actually has the creek running through it. It's really cool. Like you can sit, it's like a Disneyland kind of scene. You can sit on your table with like the creek rushing through and people swimming in the pool. Is it still like that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. how completely open it is. I don't either. Like that's. They do I have a very, lot of live music there right now, but it's not in the same spot. I think it's more like a patio kind of. I'm very curious because it seems very, uh, it was very broken down for most of the time I've been here, which is six years. Yeah. Six and a half. They also. As lore goes, like back in the logging days, there were tunnels that went across the street into the neighborhoods because there was a brothel in there. Mm. So it was like a way for guys to go stealthily in and out of the Brookdale Lodge. That makes sense. Uh, back during the pandemic, uh, for some reason on YouTube, I kept on getting recommended these like Santa Cruz old movies. That they were kind of like, they'd talk about Santa Cruz and they, they were like from the 50s or whatever. And they would talk, they'd be black and white and showing all these people, and this is a very great, like, logging area. And they're just, like, they're clear-cutting the whole forest and shit like that. Uh -huh. So it makes sense. Those guys need to go do their own thing, right? Yeah. Um, so then you're, you're playing shows at Brookdale Lodge. Mm -hmm. And put on, who was the, I guess, I don't know. Was, was it, who was putting these? Ross he, Maurice. He was putting these shows on. Yeah. And what was the venue owner like at the time? Do you remember? I don't remember that I ever met the owner. There was always just like the manager there. Okay, and then who, just Ross Maurice was the kind of, he was producing the show. Yeah, exactly. All right. So you guys did this for a while. Um, that band was, 
maybe a year, maybe a year and a half, something like that. And during that time, I had started playing the drums with a couple other bands too, because that's what I was enjoying more. I really enjoyed that, but I was like, I'm a lot better at the drums. <laughs> but then, so I went with my family on a like five-week trip to Europe, and when I got back, our lead guitarist, who had just recently joined the band, had commandeered the band. And while I was gone, they like kept practicing, started working on his songs. And I got back, and they had like all these shows booked under a different name. And he was the singer and lead guitarist, and they were amazing. So much better than Xevache. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so Andy, who I had originally, you know, brought onto the drums, was like you're obviously meant to be the drummer of this band like i will happily step out like i'm tired of it anyway so then i got back on the drums and that's when really i took off on the drums that band was good we were called the woodsman the, the woods woodsman yeah we were they were meant to be called wood spoon because they were trying to come up with a name for the first gig they had booked and andy the drummer came up with wood spoon because his mom told him one day over the kitchen counter like this is the spoon that like raised this family this wood spoon it will be yours someday and then our friend will jenkins came over and what are you guys doing he was like drawing out the wood spoon logo and all this stuff we're thinking about calling it wood spoon and jenkins says woodsman i like it He's like, no, 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 Wood Spoon. He's like, yeah, the Woodsman, it's good. And then they just took it. That was it? Yeah. So we played for like five or six years. Oh, shit. A lot. It was really fun. That band rocked. I don't think I've been in a band that long. It was a good, I really haven't. good time. That's funny. You, you've been in like a lot of these like very dedicated bands. Right. Yeah, throughout your, uh, your drums, I had no idea by the way. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I have some Woodsman CDs. We, we spent a lot of time in, in the studio. Like, the front what man... What studios? Uh, we re mostly recorded at Gadget Box with An Andy Zenzak. Right. Yeah, we did oh, okay. what, maybe what year three was albums with him. I've, I've recorded with him. This was between 2001 and 2004. Holy shit. Okay. His studio was in a storage unit yeah. over here on Mission I, Extension. I've been there. It was yeah. cool. We spent a lot of time in there. Every We gigged a lot. We had like one Wednesday per month at the Crow's Nest for those like local band mm -hmm. showcases. And then we had a weekly at a place in Monterey called Viva, I think. We played there every week. And then Bruno's Barbecue in Scotts Valley. One of the ladies that was like a new owner at the time just absolutely loved our band, so we played weekly there. That's how it goes. Yeah. So we were playing a lot, but every dollar that we ever made off of gigs went straight into the studio. Yeah. And so it was like just, we spent so many hours in the studio. It was really fun. The best thing about that band, though, the keyboard player, Jake Lackey, who was awesome. He's of Lackey Woodworking, like cabinetry in Santa Cruz. Um, he had a room in their like big shop that had always been like a storage area and they cleared it out. We put our music equipment in there and we practiced literally five nights a week, every single week for like 
five years. If we weren't gigging, we were just practicing for like four hours. It was wow. so, we got ridiculously tight. It was so fun. Wow. Yeah, it was Where, good. I, I have not done that with anybody. That was a lot of music. That was a lot of music and you love it. Um, yeah. Where are those guys now? Um, Matt, the bassist, he's a professor at um, Ohio State University. He's a genius. He invented some like um, so computer software that simulates how drugs will affect your brain. And um, had like when he was here, he moved out from Pittsburgh um, for school, where he was getting you know paid by the by the university to do his graduate work there, and had all this stuff named after him. So he and his wife are both professors at Ohio State University. And then Dylan, the front man, I think he lives in Mendocino County. He's probably leeching off his girlfriend or something. <laughs> Jake Lackey's still in town, raising kids, teaching them how to play piano. And then uh, we had a couple other lead guitarists. Chris was amazing. I can't remember his last name. We only played together for six months or something, but recorded yeah, some good stuff together. Yeah, isn't that funny when you don't know last name that you've known forever? Yeah. Or sometimes, in some cases, their first name. Right. <laughs> like we worked with the Eagle at the the Cray Place. Uh, it was Eric, right? Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, though. <laughs> it took me a second. If that was, I was slow to learn that he wasn't just called Eagle, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the woodsmen went, went our separate ways. As, as it goes. Mm -hmm. As it goes. I mean, that's an insane amount of time. So, I worked with Andy Zinzak, which I've recorded with. Um, I love recording with Andy only Zinzak. Only, so great. 18 years after you did? Okay. Something like that, right? Uh-huh. That's just crazy. And he took a break from recording to get too. into filmography, right? He That's started... what he, so I did a, um, I did a, a few songs with Lauren Wall. And he... I'm hoping to record with Andy again with Bad Maps. I think that would be oh a really God, good that'd fit. Oh my God, that would That would also like bring you guys full circle back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a really, he played at the Cray Place with a band, I forget. He did? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I forget what they were he called. He's playing the drums? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, he's great. Cool. Yeah, and to get a compliment by him too, I was like, damn, he's he's the real deal. Yeah. Um, I love this. <laughs> okay, so man, we could talk about this shit forever, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. I'm, so now bad maps. So now bad maps. Yeah. Let's let's skip skip ahead. Were you in bands between several that? years? Between that, I mostly went back to like writing songs, actually. When the Woodsmen broke up, um, it was kind of serendipitous. My truck got stolen the same week that the Woodsmen just kind of called it quits. And I was tired of my job. It's like, cool, my truck got stolen. I was only a year and a half into payments on a brand new truck I had bought. So I was like, I'm going to get a sweet insurance cash out. So I put in my 30 days notice at the house, two weeks at work. It's like, I'm gonna go trim weed in Mendo for a season and then go to Indonesia until I'm either tired of it or my money runs out to surf. And- uh, And wait, you still lived here? I still lived here. So then I was sleeping on the couch. Well, no, so then, cause I gave my 30 days notice, I still had my right. room. 
um, yeah, that was the end of me living here the first time, which was, you know, from what, 96 until 2005. And, uh, and, uh, nine years. Then I think it was more like eight somehow, the way it worked out. But, uh, like half, three or four days before I was meant to leave and go to Mendo, I got a call from the cops that they found my truck. God. So I was back into a car payment, staying here. So then I slept on the couch for like a month while my car got refurbished. And then I still went and did weed season. And while I was there, I met another girlfriend. So instead of going to Indonesia, because I didn't have the money, I was just putting all my money into the truck again. I moved to Mount Shasta, or Dunsmuir actually, the house that my dad grew up in with the drums and everything. Because um, we had had a renter there for like six years and he moved out. So the house was empty and it needed to be fixed up. So I moved in there for the winter to snowboard and work on the house. And when I was there, I started writing songs on guitar again and wrote probably like five or six songs. But those are my greatest hits. Oh. And snowboarded 109 consecutive days. Well, first she had to go post weed season. She had to go back to North Carolina to move out of her house and come back out to join me in California. Yeah, all that weed money. Right. But this is back when it was illegal too. It was, yeah. <laughs> in hindsight, it wasn't that much money, but it was enough to like live out small dreams. Yeah. You know, as, as just a trimmer. Better, it's not like we better were, than it was, is now. Yeah, know, yeah. It's, like it's not like we were growing. Like, we were just going and like trimming and camping and stuff, which was really fun. I've always heard it's amazing. But um, yeah, so then I ended up in the house there alone for a month with just her dog and me. And that's when I really like started playing the guitar a lot. Because it took me about a month to get a job. So I was just basically snowboarding and then going home, hanging out with this black lab and playing the guitar. So that was good. So that wasn't really a band per se. No, you're but I spent music. the winter there. And then I ended up moving back to Arroyo Grande for a year and a half. And down there, I basically just played those songs with a few of my high school friends. And that was fun. Recorded a couple of them in like, you know, home fashion. And then, uh, yeah, didn't like it down there at all. So, Being back home? Yeah. In general, well, where you're from? The waves were terrible. I played <laughs> golf a lot. I got pretty good at golf and had like a corporate job. I was the quality assurance manager for slime tire sealant. Can we just talk about that Didn't for a second? Like you it. just said the waves were terrible. That's the first thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I guess. that's all I want to do is surf, like, mm -hmm. all the time. Like, even music, like, it's really hard to get me to agree to, like, band practice in the afternoon. I don't really like being indoors if it's light out. I get it. I would much rather surf golf or play tennis. I think that's a big thing with me playing drums because I, I like being outside as well. I don't surf, but uh, you know, recording studios in general, are, there's no fucking windows. Yeah. And you're in there, and uh, you know, every, every sort of debauchery goes on in there, and then you leave, and it's light out, or you know, whatever. You know, sun's coming up. Either way, you know, it's not like a super healthy. <laughs> lifestyle yeah, right not very good for your mental health either for for some people they fucking thrive off it yeah like recording engineers 16 hours a day in a studio wrangling in a band mm -hmm. messing with computers like 
No, that's not my deal. People have tried to get me to do that, and I'm just yeah. not about it. They have to be very passionate about that art. Yes, I mean, just it, without windows. No. Right. <laughs> you yeah, would subject people to do that. Some Guantanamo Bay shit. <laughs> um, but we, I love recording engineers. That's what makes music happen. So <laughs> no complaints no on that. Doubt. End. No yeah. doubt. No um, doubt. Yeah, so... I guess no, I didn't play in any bands for that whole time, but that wasn't that long. No, that's it was also... like two years or something. Then I moved back to Santa Cruz, and I basically put out the feelers to all my old friends and was like, "I'll play the drums for gigs. Like I'll practice like twice max per gig because I knew all their songs already. Like they they were still playing the same stuff they'd been playing, you know, ten years earlier. So I played a little bit with people." But basically, nothing happened until um, Zach and Nick asked me if I wanted to play yeah. with Bad Maps. All right, let's talk about Bad Maps. That's where it got exciting. Yeah. It was good, just immediately. Yeah. To five, well, I'm one of the five, so I got to say. At the time, it was just three. It was, what, Nick Yorkos, Zach Handel, Dan Pothast, and they asked me to play the drums. Yep. And there wasn't a bass player yet. No. Ryan Lee had played bass. Right. And you had second. played drums. I had played drums. Mm -hmm. um, Dan, that was dope. And then both me and Ryan were like, this is amazing. I don't think either of us have the bandwidth currently to do this, but I'm just like, when you got on the drums, I was like, this is perfect. Yeah. Like everything about it. Like you sound perfect on it. It felt so good. Yeah. Just, yeah. It, it makes too much sense. Honestly, when I first started, I was like, oh, gosh, like, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to like what I'm doing kind of thing. But they kept insisting they did. And, I think and you're then better, I got more comfortable with it. Yeah, I think you're better on it than I ever was. And they're just so fun. Just such great people. And yeah. then they're like, now we just need an upright bassist. I've been playing music with this guy for 25 years. Like, yep. this is my guy. So let's go person by person. Let's talk about each person because I, uh, I cannot wait for them to hear this part of it. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go Zach Handel. Zach Handel, absolute sweetheart. Yes. Just a beautiful songwriter, a beautiful soul that cares about people deeply. Um, I miss him a lot. He moved up to Sebastopol. We don't see him as much as we used to, but when he comes, you guys he usually stays play. at our house. I was—I yeah. thought it was the end of the band when he moved out there, but yeah, we couldn't let that happen. Yeah, still play. That's a little um, transition into when he moved. I talked to Dan Pothast, and I was like, "Dan, you play with a lot of bands for." your whole life you know you get back together when you can and things like how are we going to keep this together and he said jamie bad maps has good bones wow <laughs> by like the way dan right Pothast, um is an insanely talented musician and not only that he's uh very successful i would say yeah as well he's having a great year right now man the dude is he's playing with jeff rosenstock like crazy yeah, yeah. So the first time I saw him play, uh, uh, my friends invited me to a Streetlight Manifesto. You know them? Like the I know the name. They're like uh, they're the most like they're a ska band, but they're like the most accessible ska band. That's kind of like more modern. Okay. Um, they're huge. It was a sold out ballroom in SF. I forget which one, 
Um, but Dan Pottenhaus came, there's a cat staring me right in the eyes, that was kind of funny. Uh, he came on by himself on acoustic guitar, sold out ballroom, people like, there's no room to move. And he got people going crazy. Yeah. And there was one of the songs he did, he had never practiced. He, he's like, I just wrote this 10 minutes ago or whatever. And he wrote the lyrics on the, the top of his acoustic guitar, so you uh-huh. could see him right there. And people were going buck wild, like moshing. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, I work with that guy at the Crate Place. Right. <laughs> he's a server, kind of. Like. <laughs> uh-huh. The first time I saw him play was when Amy, my wife, put on like a little showcase kind of thing. I can't remember what she called it. Like not a hoot nanny, but some kind of thing on the, on the backstage at the crate place. And it was basically like friends and family talent show. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had met him there at like Sunday brunches when he was behind the bar, but I had no idea. He was just like a nice guy. Really nice. Super nice. And, um, it was like, Danny like played the ukulele and she had like never played it before, but she was just like willing to put herself in front of everybody. And Amy and I played a couple of songs, a bunch of people had things. And then Dan P came up with just a guitar and a microphone. And from the moment he started, it was like crowd interaction, so much fun. Just the greatest thing. I was like, who the hell is this guy? Then I found out all the bands he had been in and like... He's like, he does it legit. Yeah. Oh, he's so good. It's funny for him to be in the band and not be like standing up at a microphone. He's playing the lap steel and he's like kind of sitting back. You know, have you, has he told you about that lap steel? Has he kind of shown you it? The Jesus one? Yeah. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I think it says Jesus twice on it. It's like the double Jesus lap steel or something like that he calls it. It's hilarious. Uh, he rips on it too, and it's just such a, such a random thing for him to play because he plays with Jeff Rosenstock, who's an insanely talented musician who plays every style of music possible. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people really listen to his albums. A little bit. They go. I've watched full the cartoon rock, a bit. I was very interested in that cartoon. <laughs> yeah, he does all the music for Craig and the Creek, which is a uh, Cartoon Network cartoon. Oh shit! I did not even know that. Yeah. So the first time Dan went on like national tour with him, he's like, really curious. Is it going to be a bunch of like old punk rock fans or ska fans or like cartoon fans? Is it going to be like a bunch of little kids with their moms? Like we have no idea what we're going into. All we know is that every venue's selling out like this moment the tickets go on sale. He was all hyped. That's a, that's the thing. I mean, his music just that makes so much sense, by the way, like him doing that because his music just goes all which way. But in a really cohesive fashion, and like the stuff he's saying in his music is, is deep as fuck. Yeah. Really, it hits hard, but he says it in a fun way. Right. Um, Dan Dan P was telling me he was looking at some of my like gig notes I had about like you know who starts the song. Like when I'm on the drums, <laughs> I'm like, God, I don't know. Do I click in or does he count it in? Does somebody like start that. on yeah. the banjo, or whatever? I do that when I practice. And like have you know have the brushes ready kind of thing and dan said like when he's playing with jeff rosenstock he and his gig notes he has sometimes he has to like have his guitar strapped on his back three songs in advance because he's like playing a horn and a synth and the keys or something but it's like 
these three songs don't have breaks between them, so he doesn't have time to switch instruments. So he just has to be like, grab all of his instruments, be fully staged for like a three song portion of the set. That makes that makes so much sense. Uh-huh. And you would just never really think about that watching something. You just assume that people are like so in tune with what they're doing. But of course, you need to write that down at some point. Yeah. To like uh, harken back to it and like know what you're going to do. Yeah. When the energy of the moment happens. Well, like, especially oh, the way they so go good. off. The like they, they really, <laughs> it's crazy music. You know, yeah. it's like it's, it's punk and it just like, like I said, travels all over the, these different genres. That is wild, and I love hearing that, too. Like, that's the sort of shit that you wouldn't really think about. Yeah. So, okay, talked about Zach. Oh, Zach is also, what I love about him is he, he's, it's, it's Americana folk. That's what Bad Maps is, but it's also, what he loves is, like, really dark 90s grunge. Or, like, that, just that era in general. Mm-hmm. So he does that well, and that's like kind of like really seeped into this uh, music, and his voice is just incredible. So yeah. I would say that's the other aspect of him that you didn't really, well, I guess he just hadn't touched on yet, but he's uh, his, the dark sides of the music really touch through in these yeah. like very like happy songs. Yeah, it can be like a really fun crowds dancing kind of song and if you're not listening to the words you have no idea like most of them are about death yeah <laughs> he, has, he has a pretty pretty big fascination with death and uh yeah and, and people and their, and their mentalities and mm-hmm. had all it goes around beautiful right. songwriting though oh he does a good job he i love it i love it. that's i mean I would love to play in this band for the rest of my life. Like, I enjoy the people and the music so much. And it's just a really comfortable style of drumming for me. I don't have to, like, I want to try really hard. And I do in order to, like, figure out what I want to play and stuff. But when I'm in the groove with them, it's just, like, it's, like, meditation. Yeah. And what I like about them so much is that it has this, like, interesting has interesting grooves as well as it just like it is just a straight groove and mm-hmm. but it's it's a it moves around like yeah there's different feels for different sections and they're um it's you can't just do the same yeah thing it, ha- it has every section of every song has a different sort of groove and mentality to it yeah i think that's what makes it so beautiful zach dick the bassist likes to say that it it's fun because it breathes so much like it, it doesn't just yeah. like stick with something. You're like, what's really? his last name? Dick. So Zach Dick. Yep. Okay. Zachariah Dick. And uh, so we got two Zacks in the band. Mm-hmm. Which is funny. It was hard for me to remember his name. Uh huh. But then I was like, oh shit, there's just two Zacks. That's, yeah. I should just. But Zachary that. Handel and Zachariah Dick. Gotcha. Okay. So. And it was funny because I, I filled in on a Halloween show for you. Uh huh. Um, and he's an extremely nice person, but he was also like, it's like, you just, you play like really straight and like on it. And I was, and I'm like, usually that's a compliment, but <laughs> 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 that's not the way it sounded. And like, I, and I got it and I was like, okay, like, you yeah. know, it's not about that. And I, I, when I was playing in the band more, I think we didn't even really have a practice mm-hmm. before that, that gig, but right. it, it's meant to be loose and you know 
Yeah, just as we were saying. I love the opportunities I've had when you'll step in behind the drums and I get to step off and look back and like, it's so rare to be able to like witness your own band. Yeah. And I love that. Like up at, um, can't remember, Fallcrest Winery or something when we were playing for Jules' birthday party. Yeah. You did a couple of songs. It was so nice for me to sit back and be like, hell yeah, this band rules. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It really does. And I, I loved your uh, your little setups that you bring. Um, all all your little trap setups. So I guess for your bachelorette party, bachelor, bachelorette party, mm -hmm. what sort of like, what was what is the drum set that you bring? What What is it exactly? So it's this red and white and blue trunk that was in my dad's house when he was a kid. Once again, my dad coming to the drums. And he, I think it's the only thing he moved out of his house with when he went to the military. It was like this little two and a half foot cube, red, white, and blue, like Americana looking trunk. And he had it with him his whole life. And eventually when I moved out, I brought it with me here and I used it as like a bedside table slash blanket storage thing and then like a tv stand some point that kind of thing but um yeah when with bad maps we started doing some westcliff pop-ups and that kind of thing i was like i need something other than a full drum kit to play acoustic with these guys and i just turned it on its side opened the door and i so i got this other snare drum that this dude andre had left behind at zach dick's house and so I put together a tiny little kit in there, just like a hi-hat stand, splash cymbal, tambourine, and, I just, and a kick pedal. And I just set it up so you kick on the trunk with the door open. It doesn't sound fantastic, but it's pretty good. I think it sounds great. And then some of the bundle sticks from Seabright Stick Company. Oh, yeah. What's up, Sean? Sean. <laughs> little shout out to him. Sean James, Seabright Stick Company. Good stuff. Yep. Um, yeah, so it's like a the whole drum kit fits in this little like two and a half foot cube with handles. And I oftentimes put it on a trailer behind my beach cruiser, take it down to the beach. Yep, and you guys play uh you guys play on Westcliff. Oh. Yeah, we're actually doing it um not this Saturday but next Saturday. Okay. Just well this this Zach podcast will be, week will be out either tonight or tomorrow night. So cool. yeah. So if people listen to it on that. Saturday, time. August thirteenth. We set up at Mitchell's Cove and just play acoustic during sunset. It's always good. Last person we need to talk about is uh, Nick. Nick Yorkos. Talk about him. Magical human being. He's from this area. He multi-instrumentalist. He's a time traveler. He's People like call a, him Vintage Nick. Yeah, Vintage Nick. Um, one time I was living at a house up off a of western on Alamo and a bunch of friends and I ate mushrooms and went out into Moore Creek Reserve walking around just looking at the sunset and stuff and we saw these two people above us and like look at those fucking time travelers they were wearing like a bonnet and a you know I can't think of the name like an old school hat <laughs> yeah. suits and stuff and um from that point on, I called people who wore vintage clothes time travelers because I just thought it was funny. And then when I started hanging out with Nick a lot more, bartending with him and then eventually playing music with him, um, he was like, Jules and I went there like 
every day. It had to have been us. So it was an interesting, uh, oh, a hummingbird. Yeah. That was an interesting crossroads that I'm pretty sure we saw Nick yeah, it was, well before I, I knew him. And he has a big old red beard. He looks like yeah. if he took a photo from the 30s and then he colorized it. Right? That's Totally. <laughs> that's that's a good one. And he's also just like the cutest dad. Yeah. He's such a good good uh, man. Also a crazy musician in his own right. Like, yeah. So he plays he plays the banjo in Bad Maps like... Um, like Jimi Hendrix, plays with like I think he does run pedals. Maybe he doesn't right now, but I don't know. Oh no, he's got a full board. Yeah, he's got a full board mm -hmm. with the banjo that's very, very, very old. A very old four-string banjo that has to be tuned between Constantly. every song. I think it's, it's part. Of, it probably should be tuned more than that, honestly. Um, and. So he does that, and he also does he his whole entire. He has a mandolin in Bad Maps too. He's playing mandolin. Mm -hmm. oh, man, I didn't know. Yeah, that. he plays mandolin in a third or a quarter of the songs. Okay. And then he plays lead guitar and trombone in Harry and the Hitmen. He does all kinds of wild synth stuff at home. Yeah, as I was gonna say, his whole everything in his studio is like from around the '70s. Even the mic stands and the fucking cables, like everything is mm -hmm. everywhere you look is old. And he has all these drum machines and stuff. Uh, very interesting human being. Can't wait for him to hear me say that about him. Um, <laughs> and a mixologist. Yes, he he makes some the some best bartender in town. Probably so. Yeah, he's definitely the most for me i would rather sit at his bar than anyone else he's the most fun bartender yeah that's yeah. what i mean you know it's anybody can make a fucking gin and tonic right uh it's do i want to hang out with them yeah do i want to like do i want to tip them more than i should like <laughs> uh -huh. yeah um and that's yeah. nick mm -hmm. um yeah let's go and on. then zach dick the bassist oh god solid yeah. dude i yeah, actually zachariah dick yeah I met him the first day I ever woke up in Santa Cruz. I arrived here at like 11 p.m. and at 7 a.m. I woke up and came out right onto this curb to go surfing. And he was putting his boards on his roof three doors down. And uh, my housemate, who already lived here, You've known him knew that him. Long? Yeah, the first day Holy I woke shit. up here, okay. um, I met him and we went surfing together up at Waddell. And within the week we were playing music together. Back then he was playing guitar and singing. And we had a band called the Shrew Men um, and played all kinds of covers, just tons of covers, Grateful Dead and blues covers and stuff. And uh, we actually gigged around, too. Oh, shit. Yeah, that was, I guess that was my first band in Santa Cruz, the Shrew Men. Yeah, I was going to say, you did not mention this. Yeah, I forgot about <laughs> it. I just played in a lot of bands. I guess so. Yeah, that was good. I also played in a band in Santa Cruz called... Um, Oh, God, what was it called? Really cool. A bunch of really cool guys from Dana Point had a band in Santa Cruz called G-String. And uh, we, had a, we had a weekly thing at this weird biker bar that's now... Penflings? No, it, it's on Pleasure Point, like on Portola. Oh, uh, the, it so might the be Suda now. No, there's a saloon. It wasn't there, no. no. I think it might be Suda oh, okay. now. It was right next to Frenchie's. It must be Suda. Okay. That was a weird one. Fun <laughs> band, though. Those guys were cool. 
the G, G string. What, what the G what the string. shrooms? The shroom. The shrew men. The shrew men. Yeah. And that was your first band with Zachariah. Yeah, yeah. I think that was that was definitely my first band with Zachariah. And then how did and, you get? Wait, how did you meet up? How how did that get into Bad Maps again? Um, just I had been hanging out with Zach and playing music with him intermittently since okay. 1996, and then he transitioned to the bass during that time and became bassist in like the Anderson Street Collective and some other stuff that we did. We used to play Baytree Bookstore up at UCSC all the time, of course. Everybody did. I don't know. I haven't even heard of it. It was cool. Baytree Bookstore used to be like, had this big deck and it overlooked the main, I guess, quad area, mm -hmm. like where Baytree Bookstore still is, but it was like in a different building there. Yeah. And you'd play outdoor looking back at the, at the coffee shop cafe thing. But so then, yeah, Zach played bass in that. So then however many years later, we just kept playing music forever. And so when Bad Maps, when I started playing the drums and they were like, now we just need an upright bassist. And he had been playing with Treetop Tommy and um, the Paraffins and a jazz band. And I was like, I've got an upright bassist. Well, you're yeah. going to love him. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's great. He fits in perfectly. It's like yeah. he's been there and for he a wants to play years. music every single day. So it was a shoe in. He was coming. There you go. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, then you guys already knew each other, and I don't know, he's a perfect fit. Second yeah. I met him, I was like, he's yeah. been here forever. Because mm -hmm. I think Zach and Nick were writing these songs, and, and probably Dan as well, for like years and years and years. That's right. what I heard when I when I first got in the band. Yeah. So it was like they were I guess Nick and Zach lived together in Boulder Creek, right on the creek in San Lorenzo. They lived together and like just hung out on the deck and drank Tangeray and wrote songs for years. And uh, a little shout out to Zach. I really uh, he's like, oh, we have like this this merch money from uh, you know selling stuff and gigs and stuff. I guess I should go record um an album with them, which fucking do it. Yeah, <laughs> I really serious. I really want to get. I want to get your guys' stuff on, on wax. Oh, me too. Badly. That's, yeah. I mean, we're going to get together and play this next Saturday for the first time in a while. Well, since last gig, a couple of weeks ago. But um, I would love that's to what it. I really want to do. I really want to really hear that stuff, mm -hmm. like, studio recorded or, you know, just well recorded. Yeah. I want to have it. I love. I would love to be in the studio with these guys for one thing. I think it yeah. would be a really fun week or whatever. Um, but also, I just love recording music so that later down the line I can be like, I think that band was good, and I listen to yeah. it, and I'm like, fuck, that band was good. And not only that, but I That's know every I'm one so of our happy. friends, including myself, would love to have it. Right. Like, just, you know, it's for the people. Yeah. Including yourselves, which Definitely. which is what it should be first and foremost. But. And it would be really cool when people say like, "Oh, like, what's your band sound like?" And I'm like, I cannot describe it to you at all. No. I have no idea what my band sounds like, but yeah. you can see it on any of those. It's like grunge Americana, <laughs> right? <laughs> which doesn't really help anybody. Yeah. Um. All right, let's go on. Let's go on to the. So what? What? What the hell is your guys? Plant. Travel plan. You're traveling. So you and Amy. Yep. The we best, the best couple. We best were. Uh, couple. Oh, thank you. Yeah. We were alone in Big Sur, I guess last year. We go to Big Sur a lot, 
and we were on a hike just Plaskett Ridge Road mellow walk from the campground and Amy had been reading a book about goals and whatnot she's like so what really is your like ultimate life goal driving the entire Americas I want to go to Patagonia by car she's like me too we have to do it like if we don't do it now eventually it's just going to be a goal we didn't do so we're making moves so yeah yeah so Patagonia that was it that was your goal you read it's basically just driving surfing all the way down um so yeah we're going to build a camper i have the perfect truck 03 tacoma same one that got stolen in 1995 <laughs> or 2005 sorry yeah yeah um but yeah we're going to build a camper on it and take at least a year to just cruise south and um, surf our way down. Amy's a great surfer and an excellent camper. Yes. Beautiful wife. All the greatest things you want in a partner. An amazing, fun person to be with. Yeah. Songwriter, singer, songstress, chef. But so we're going to cruise. When's you guys plan for this? Well, it might happen originally originally when we talked about it we were thinking like maybe three years like yeah like maybe 2025 the first or something but basically it's just being ready having enough money saved um and we're saving money faster than we thought we would and things are coming together so we just have to get the camper built which is going to be fun. I've been doing construction with Zach Dick, learning yeah. a lot. And so, um, yeah, I got to build the camper, get some better suspension in my truck, and then have enough money to feel legit to leave. The landlord, our, our good friend, and who's our landlord, Willie, he wants us to live here forever. So he gave us the go-ahead to like agree on a subletter and do a year sublet for our friends and then hit the road with no real itinerary other than try to make it all the way to South America. We don't want to go to Tierra del Fuego necessarily. That sounds like... Was that like bottom of the bottom? That's like the bottom, yeah. I think it's an island off the tip of South America. And apparently getting there is hard and expensive and not really worth it these days. Mm. But Patagonia is freaking massive. And there's the Chilean Patagonia, the Argentinian Patagonia, and it's, I'm sure you've seen pictures yeah. in, you know, National Geo documentaries or something. Patagonia. It's magical. Um, we both spent a fair amount of time, Amy more than me, in Central and South America, and we have people along the way, so we just want to hit the road. There you go. And yeah, I was thinking about doing podcast or something for it originally i was thinking youtube channel i don't know yeah but i have very little technical acumen well let's okay so we got our oh shit yes we got our trip to patagonia that's the you're gonna be going down hitting all these surf spots along the way how long are you thinking for the trip at least a year at least a year yep that's the idea is saying like you're saving up for around three years. You guys have a money goal mm-hmm. of some sort. 
and then you can sublease this. So you're good. To, you're freaking off the hook. Right. Yeah. yeah. It is interesting to think about what your monthly costs are sending bills back to America, even if you're gone, because you yeah. still have like your obviously your health insurance and your cell phone bills and so on and so forth. Which is, I'm, I'm sure you guys have like covered California or some shit like or yeah. But we've been making pretty good money this last year, so we'll see where that goes. Yeah. You guys have been working your fucking asses off. Yeah. A lot of my income is still pretty shady. Yeah. Not shady, but under the table. My, I my landscaping, it. I just, you know, fix up old ladies' yards a couple days a week. Yeah, and they're, they're but pretty my, bad on my construction's legit, my restaurant work. So actually, I only work two days a week under the table. It's not actually that much. No. <laughs> That's still, uh, percentage-wise, it's a lot. <laughs> But, yeah. um, yeah, but, you know, yeah, you got to have enough money to make sure that you can fly home when you need to or fix the truck when you need to. You know, there's no way we're making it 6,000 miles without some. Well, there's the digital nomad the thing of like when you move, when you're like, ah, oh, I'm just, you know, fuck it, I'm just going to go live. Do you realize that your expenses are significantly less once you get out of the U.S.? Yeah. In general. Right. Going out to dinner. Even but you, you gas. probably don't even yeah gas, but you probably don't even go out to dinner all that much. But like, you can. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, yeah. Well, it's like five bucks. Yeah, we're places. talking to a lot of people who have traveled in Mexico a lot, which I have not traveled in Mexico much. I've spent more time in South America and just a tiny bit in Costa Rica. But um, I think it might be cheaper to just buy tacos than it is to like. I mean, we'll Make be catching them. a lot of fish and stuff, but yeah, like transporting your produce and whatnot, like buying stuff. Yeah, you can. I mean, just you guys are doing it. I mean, this is all the time. you're getting me really excited, just in general. Like, I want to do something like this now. Mm-hmm. But that's um, well, there's that. Yeah, just the digital nomad thing, or like what people do. It's they start realizing their expenses are way less. They yeah. can make more money in general if they're living somewhere else and kind of still earning the U.S. dollar, mm-hmm. which I know. So we're going into the podcast really quick or whatever you guys want to do. I would say personally, you should just do something like this every once in a while. Just like sitting down with a camera with mics plugged in. It's a pretty simple setup, right? I picture like a weekly update, just like where we are, what we're doing, challenges we've come across, amazing waves we've been riding. If anything for your friends, but also if anything, just document this thing that you're doing. Definitely. Like you're going to love to hear about this shit mm-hmm. later in life. And if it were to catch on, or, or even not until postpartum, you know, once we finish the whole trip, but we'll have created an amazing guide, yeah. like, about what it takes. Like, the every current. every border crossing is, you have to deal with all kinds of things. Like, the Darien Gap's massive. You can't drive from Central America to South America. You have to ship your truck yeah. um, on a what the Panama freight ship. Right? Um, the Panama Canal you can drive over, but the Darien uh, Gap is this weird jungle marshland between Panama and Colombia that um, at, the, at its widest, I think it's only like 120 kilometers, but it's virtually impassable. It's just like, you know, 12-foot snakes and spiders the size of your head and mafiosos making 
cocaine in there and like you would have to winch your car the whole way you can't drive it all so it's like modern man would never attempt this yeah. people have done it in the past but it's like you know four months to go 100 kilometers kind of thing yeah and uh probably get gangrene and who knows what else so yeah that's an interesting thing <laughs> yeah, just get... figuring out how to ship your truck down the pacific side on a crater and then you take a bus you could fly but i, I read this amazing book by jedediah jenkins called to wake the sleeping self he rode his bike from oregon to patagonia great book um to wake to wake the sleeping self okay really fun i'll love it for sure it's a great book i'd love that um but uh he talks about when he did that he didn't have to ship his bike but um he took his he took a bus he probably rode his freaking bike i don't know but on the Caribbean side, you get on like this six-day sailboat charter and you stop at a couple of islands and travel with other tons of other people who are doing the same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to ship the truck, bus across to the East Coast, go on a six-day sailboat with a bunch of other tourists, and then bus back to the West Coast of Colombia to pick our truck up and carry on from there. And then South America, just amazing the the mountains down there and the ocean like i surfed in chile love chile amy spent a lot of time in peru like a couple of months so that's gonna be pretty sweet to get down there too yeah completely different than south america where i was in chile was basically just like california if you were time traveling hmm. it's like Oh, yes. I've been to this place before, but where are all the roads and the people? And what's this ox cart going by for? So cool. Wow. Amazing country. Also, Chile has more earthquakes and they all, not obviously not everybody, but aliens are apparently just visiting Chile all the time. Yeah, I've heard that too. Why? Why? Why have I heard that? Why? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Well, maybe, who could who could answer that question honestly? Yeah, it could be just like a cultural acceptance of it, or like more in their theology or something. Um, I don't know. This isn't. Where are those those giant signs that they have in the in the ground? That they're, they're like birds and stuff like that. You can only see them from space. Um, That's like Colombia, isn't it? Is that Chile? Uh, I doubt Chile. I think it's more like rainforest terrain that yeah. those are. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, though. Yeah. Like, they're like, you can only see them from space. Yeah, it might be more like Amazonian. Oh, shit. I'm not sure. Either way, Patagonia. But, yeah, the culture in Chile area. was super cool. And then Patagonia, yeah, you get to, like, the most gorgeous mountains and rivers and lakes. Like, it just looks so incredible. Yeah. I did not make it there in Chile, so that's a big goal. Yeah. Well, while we're here, let's talk about what this setup is particularly mm -hmm. for the podcast, um, which I I think currently I have like six different setups. I brought a bunch more. I did not need to because this is easy. Um, so we have this Hollyland this is, it has everything in attached, but it's lapel mics, mm -hmm. um, the ones that clip onto your shirts for people listening. And it has two of them, and it has these little, 
like connectors that go, they clip in your pocket. That's what we're using. Super easy to use. Um, any audio engineer is like, oh, you need to have some real microphones and all this stuff. I'm like, these sound great. This is what people on the news use. Like, this is all that, this and that. And then this camera, the Canon G7X Mark III, this is the only camera approved by YouTube which is interesting mm -hmm. uh, in itself. Uh, it actually does allow you to live stream to YouTube, not that that's what you're going for. But um, if you do a vertical, everything will be set up so you can put stuff on your phone. Like it'll go right to your phone automatically. Uh, and just a tripod, I mean, this is, you're good to go. So you can do this in the back of a van. Yeah. Um, aside from that, if you just want to do purely audio, you have the Zoom H HX, mm -hmm. which are the things you've seen there, the portable, they're with batteries. Um, I just recommend getting rechargeable AA batteries. Um, and just, you go right into there, SD card, put it on the computer, and just go. Um, and then I use- So this whole thing yeah. gets saved in the camera? There's this is This is going to a 64 gigabyte SD card in this in the Canon G7X Mark III. In, also, in you see how camera. small this camera is too. Like, yeah. and you can see the video quality just on the little screen because it does flip up and allows you to see yourself. Right. Which is really nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's sure this is made it. for like vlogging and YouTube. And we and knew when the battery ran out, like because exactly, you know, when all the things go wrong, you know, mm -hmm. the batteries run out and you know it stops recording after 30 minutes. But for podcasts, that's like or whatever you want to do. If you guys are just doing like updates too. Yeah. It could be 10, 15 minutes and like no issue. It seems highly likely we're not going to run an hour and a half. No, I wasn't. I'm not going to be telling the whole history of my musical career. I was going to be. Every week in, in, in Costa Rica. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be honest too. I wasn't, I wasn't expe expecting this uh, podcast to go as long as it yeah. has, but I have had <laughs> such a fun time listening to just, what I have to say about you too is like I didn't really, you everything that you do is for like the long haul, and you enjoy every aspect about it, which is really cool to see, and it's not something that I see in most people. Yeah, it is an interesting thing about me, like the fact that I've spent most of my life in this house, that I bought this truck, and and I, the day I bought it, I was like, I'm going to drive this truck until. My goal was until I'm at least 55 or have a 16-year-old child to hand it down to. The children aren't coming. And uh, 55? Well, I'm 45. I think I'll still be driving it. I might just drive this truck forever. Yeah. I mean, it was my dream truck. It still is. Sometimes it. I still, still think it's like my new car. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah, I got this. Like, like, still got my truck. Yeah. I've had, yeah, I've had the motorcycle over here for almost 10 years now and nice yeah i'm like it still feels awesome when i get on it mm -hmm. you know i bought it right off the lot but also the motorcycle jacket i've had two people always giving compliments i'm like god i've had this thing even longer than the motorcycle yeah but it's just nice to just like have things but everything you do is for like the long haul yeah yeah so where i was going with this is like you just seem like you just do things for the long haul and enjoy the aspects of it and you don't get it's not like when people do that I guess stereotypically is they get frustrated and burnt out or not even burnt out, but just like, ah, I've lived in this fucking spot. I'm like, I think I'm trapped, but you're like, no, I've done whatever I want to do. And this spot kind of called me back. Yeah. I'm allowed back. 
I was born a comfortable person. Yeah. My sister used to always tell me, like, you got it easy. You've always had it easy. Like, you're just, like, things happen for you. I'm like, no, when I was a kid, no way. Like, I, I didn't want to accept that. And at some point, I actually, I think, like, in my early 30s, it took me to realize she was right. And I was like, I was born with this, like, comfort in myself and in the world. It's like, life is super easy for me. Yeah. I just like doing what I, what I love and, and I don't question it. Yeah. But also it's like for a lot of people, um, even doing what you love is hard. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. That's exactly what Not I Not even like I getting mean. to, but like, like getting yourself to do it. Like mm -hmm. you make time for everything that you love. Right. Which is not only do you make time, you go and fucking do it. There's like, there's these aspects of you that are, uh, it's hard for everybody to do. It's like you, you, like when I talked to Amy, uh, she's like, yeah, you know, this is, this is what, <laughs> these are the chemicals that make Jamie. It's uh, all, you do this and this and this per week and like this, you get all these and you just feel relaxed. Yeah. And like you're human and you can do all these other random things that pop up in your life without ever feeling like it, they're taking you one way or another in a way you don't want to go. Right. So, yeah, only a few times have I allowed myself to go in places that I didn't dig. And I was like, oh, that like, like what Are you, if you if you feel comfortable saying, well, I did um, a corporate job when I was oh. a um, quality assurance, quality assurance manager for slime tire sealant. It was probably the coolest corporate company you could possibly work for okay greatest people super lax atmosphere like wasn't like eight to five kind of thing it was like get your work done and you're cool i hated it i was just like, I, bet. I cannot go to the computer one more time this week i can't like and it was so fun i was like i had to try and blow things up because we're a tire sealant company along with like tire pumps, tire gauges, like a bunch of other sporting stuff. Really fun. Anybody in the that world would have thought it was the funnest thing ever, but I just wanted to be surfing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and your life allows you to do hard. that. Yeah. And yeah, you've just kind of like molded your life around that mm -hmm. in general. So you kind of, that's cool. It's inspiring. It's, it's a, uh, it's hard to see too, and it's just, it's just worked out for you, yeah. In general, it has. And I think from the day I was born, I everything life, has worked out. Life for also, me. I'm a golden boy. It's, but it's, life it's also like, throws you. It's embarrassing to say, but it's less embarrassing to say at 45. Like I've accepted that I'm a golden boy that was gifted like a demeanor that works. That's it. It's parents it, that were amazing. Like your parents born are in incredible. California. Just like I, I couldn't, have, I, when I met your parents, I have it like, like, so much like I'm just like going downstream my whole life. Yeah, it's like I was born like, just like enjoy this. Yeah, and I, I, it took me a while to recognize that people who are struggling didn't start at the same place as me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, people who did start at the same place as me societally. It took me a long time to recognize that like maybe. Like they weren't born with the same um, 
disposition as me. Yeah, well, you got it's so, a really nice so gift from the universe. Well, you got, you got parents. Yeah. You got your genetic makeup. Genetic you got, makeup, yeah. You got your life circumstances, and like mm -hmm. all these things have, have worked out for you. But at the same time, it's like you've been you you're throwing curveballs. I know you are. Oh, for sure. Like everybody is. Yeah. But it's just your your way of handling them. And I think in the community of Santa Cruz, when people talk about you, they're like, when I'm around you, I feel more chill. Nice. <laughs> and uh, when other people are around you, every time every I've worked with you at two different places, but. Uh, that's the truth. So, it's uh, it's something cool, just kind of to see and you know see as an aspect of what our lives could be, and yeah, just you know fucking keep on rocking. I'm really excited to see you guys do this trip. Oh man, I and can't, I really want I can't to. wait to see Jamie on the road. Oh my god, it's gonna, gonna be, be really well. You guys are special. You know, I've seen her go to you know Big Sur a bunch of times, and like you know, she's just, that's that's her happy place is just being oh, out yeah. surfing and living life and talking to new yeah. people that is what she and amy her. is like travel world travel is her passion like her happiness and we've actually i mean we've traveled together but we've never gone like into the depths of like you know once you're like no, really you're really out shit. there yeah. and not like we have you know 21 days and then we go back to our job or something just like yep. Yep. let's like set sail and see what happens it's gonna be unreal yeah it's not something I'm you can psyched. really fully plan for yeah oh yeah. we're not trying to either it it's basically like... it's basically just like we just have to like lift anchor and go and then everything will be fine all the yeah. getting ready stages are like we could put a lot more stress on it than we have to kind of thing and yeah, well, you just got to make money and uh, sublease the place. You're all set. Yeah. Sublease the place. That's really it. And build the camper. Oh, well, That's where the yeah. podcast starts when I yeah, start building go. the camper. Uh, so, I mean, I highly recommend this camera. Oh, yeah. This, this uh, seems... tripod is $11. Right. This I mean, camera I got know. used, it was 500 bucks, but it's look how small it is. Yeah. It's doing all, everything we need to do. It's recording this and then i just i, I recommend these but the hollyland yeah it's you just pop them on and they recharge mm -hmm. i don't know i can't <laughs> this is cool. probably the easiest setup you can get yeah. and then what's cool if you get like buzzsprout for this you can take exactly this video um i'm gonna quickly put it into something on the computer but put that video right into buzzsprout and it'll just take the audio from it and put it up on every single possible um platform buzzsprout is like a podcast yeah you have anchor right um i started an anchor account just because yeah. i really wanted to get the ball rolling and it looked like a it oh, suggested great. it was like the easiest way for a beginner it absolutely is you can start with your phone you can literally just go like this 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 boom it's online yeah everywhere mm -hmm. um they want you know every platform wants podcasts they want people talking long form things are what keep people on platforms longer so they make it easy buzzsprout i think is um a little easier there's there's more stuff you can kind of do with it but they make it understandable as to why you'd want to do it and they just make it very accessible uh-huh um cost some money a month but i don't know i would really like to see you guys do it and i'm very happy to help you set up actually when you're when you start doing the camper like yeah. get you set up with everything that you want to do and cool make that happen 
Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, thanks for doing this. Uh, pleasure. This has been a super fun talk. Yeah. I think this is the longest we've ever... Uh, that's not true. <laughs> I think it's the most we've talked just one-on-one, -on -one real deep talk. Probably um, so. Yes. Um, but yeah, fucking thanks, man. My pleasure. Thank you. Hey, what's up? Zen here again. Thanks for listening to the show. Just wanted to let you know again that we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash breaking north. That is patreon.com slash breaking north. Please also like, subscribe, review, do all the good stuff for our social media, communicate with us. And if you want to be on the show, hit me up. I want to check out your art. I want to check out your cooking. I want to check out what you do. Let's talk. Cool. Thanks. Mwah.